0: Hey, everybody. Josh Neighbors here. Locked on Big 12 podcast. It is the 3rd of January. I messed this up the other day, 2023. Joining us today is Stephen Simcox of Locked on Horn Frogs to discuss TCU headed to the national championship. What does it mean for the school? Can the Frogs pull the upset once again against the Bulldogs? There's a lot to get to coming up on the show. As always, we hope you all enjoy. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast, joined by Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Make sure you guys subscribe to both Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Horn Frogs, wherever y'all get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. You guys can find me on Twitter at LO Big 12. Find me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore you guys can find steven at Stephen Simcock or at simcox Stephen on twitter and then the show is at locked on tcu i believe right that's correct yes finally got that one correct <laughs> uh all right steven uh you and i talked last week um now we were talking your your frogs you're an alma you're an your alum excuse me correct, at tcu yeah. um you cover the team sure whatever but like as an alum how, how is how does this feel just give me the tcu alum side of this equation it's pretty surreal it's not like
1: they haven't been close i mean you know in the bcs era they knocked on the door a few times they were undefeated that rose bowl season beat wisconsin were just on the outside looking in uh in 2014 and 2015 they had some teams that seemed like they were capable of doing this but the timing is just insane i mean they were five and seven last year when i've been on the show the last few seasons we've sort of been discussing like, okay, is, is this the end of the Patterson era? Where do they go from here? Is this sort of where we see a, a possible downturn for the program? And so the fact that they've just revamped this whole thing and gotten uh, really close to the mountaintop in year one is, is pretty amazing. I, I mean, I, I don't know how I'll feel on Monday. I'm already pretty nervous about it. I've um, digested more content than I typically do when we've only <laughs> been you know, two or three days from the game we got six days till game time as we record this so it's a huge deal i mean tcu is a school that uh i jokingly said this i think when they made the playoff you know they they don't necessarily want to be the ivy league and and what i mean by that is like they just want to be good at athletics they're committed to it you know the student population the fan base um they they care about these things they're invested and so it's a huge deal it's a big deal to a a group of people that often feels like they're kind of overlooked within the landscape of college football, and college sports. And um, yeah, I mean, when they held on and, you know, hearing the no targeting call on the on, after the review is one of the, one of the better things in, in TCU history, because it meant that this team was, was headed to the national title game, which is a place that I think even some of the most optimistic TCU fans Weren't sure if it was, it was possible to get there.
0: Yeah. It was, what's crazy is you can turn around college basketball teams very quickly. Now with transfer portal, you can turn around college football teams pretty quickly with the portal. I think a lot of us talked about Mel Tucker, right. And the, the job mm-hmm. they did and, and Baylor did a little bit of that, but I mean, we saw the Dave Aranda, you know, big turnaround two wins to big 12 championship. This, this one was different because it was five and seven legendary coach gone. Right. new coach comes in who's like it's not and it's not like sonny dykes has this unbelievable winning pedigree right it's not like this is you know right. this is some consummate winner uh you know all the time like the cal thing didn't go very well and i think there's a lot of reasons for that but he comes in and takes over generally the same roster i know and uh, we talk about you know at safety and linebacker two obviously really important players for right. tcu are both transfers but this this being generally the same group that had that disappointing five and seven whose best player last year is on Ole Miss now and is now head of the NFL and Zach Evans. and was very mere Curry old, you know, didn't play sometimes, did play injuries and not injured, whatever. Um, And now they're here. You know, it's not, it's not Cinderella. It's not really what it is. It's just very particular. I guess we say the word unique too much, but this is like a, this is a very specific circumstance of really all of these things coming together. And I think why I focus on the coaching and whatnot, like, This group really, really had to buy in for Mm. this to be possible. And it's so difficult to do when you have a new coach coming in. And, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys, like, I I don't think uh, Sonny Dykes and company cannot have been the only ones who have seen, who could have seen some levels of potential from these guys. Right. I mean, if some of these guys hit the portal, like they could have gone some pretty good places, but many of them did not. Um I think part of that was they had the chance to play at TCU for sure, right? Mm Because there wasn't a massive turnover with the portal and whatnot and recruiting and um, also buy in. And so I think that's to me is like really where it starts is like they, Sonny Dykes nailed these coaching hires and the coaches nailed the message to the players. They did. And it's a really good
1: point you make because I remember in the offseason. So yeah, Zach Evans hits the portal almost immediately. Uh, O'Shawn Massis and Kyrie Coleman left which on paper, that's a lot of production. I mean, those are your two best pass rushers from last year. And then your your most productive offensive player in a lot of ways. Uh, but then nobody else really hit the portal during the offseason. And I think some TCU fans noticed that and were like, well, that's a good sign. But it was sort of like, okay, well, they were five and seven last year. So it's good that they're buying in, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're about to take off. Uh, I do feel like though, and listen, I, I hate, like I was tough on Gary towards the end. And, and some people think I was a little too harsh, but I, I firmly believe this. I think for a lot of those guys, and it's, it's not all his fault, but it just wasn't really fun. Like the, the football experience was not fun anymore. And so Dykes coming in, you know, coaching personalities, it's always kind of really comes down to whether you win or lose. But I just feel like he and the staff were such a 180 from the previous regime and how they let the players be themselves. And it was a lot more relaxed and laid back. And so it really was kind of a breath of fresh air. And a lot of guys bought in. And along with that, you know, there was some more discipline that got brought in. Like They they talked about, you know, fine-tuning these nutrition plans and revamping the strength and conditioning program and getting them in in an off-season program that's going to be more productive and, and better about injury prevention and those kind of things. So there was all that coinciding. And yeah, it's, it's funny. Like Ari Wasserman who uh, covers football for the athletic. um, And I know Bud Elliott talks about this too. Like there's always this discussion about blue chips and can you compete? And so it's kind of being challenged right now with TCU because based on the talent composite, I think they're ranked 32nd in the country. Right. And so the refrain that started to come up is like, well, they just really hit it hard in the transfer portal, which they did, but like, look at the transfers they got. I mean, it's, it's worked out. I mean, Johnny Hodges is a really good player for them, but he's from the Naval Academy. His his story is that he sent emails to every FBS school. And the only responses he got were TCU and Northwestern, you know, Mark Perry started a lot of games at Colorado, but it's not like the national media when he transferred to TCU was like, Oh boy, TCU just landed Colorado's top safety. Like, like here we go alan Ali, who's their center, was a transfer from SMU, and it was just sort of like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. He's going to come over from, uh you know, where Sonny Dykes was, and he'll plug in and he can start." But what I mean, what I mean is like, none of these guys are huge names. It's not like they were it, none of the
0: skill players on offense. Like, we talk about like are we like immediate transfers? I don't think like no, are any of those guys. And I don't, I don't yeah. think about mm-hmm. uh who is a tight end that that came. Oh, they got Texas. Jared Wiley. But that, um, was, that this, was that this year? I'm trying That to was this year. year. But they, they don't even year. really use him much. They don't much. use him, but you and I lamented how much they, they don't even use Jared Wiley enough, yeah. right? So it's like <laughs> really the guys blocker. that we talk about all the time are not guys that were, you know, that they brought in the portal. No, it, it really is the same cast of characters. And that's
1: been one of the incredible things is that um, they've just found a way to kind of make it happen with the, with the guys on this roster. You know, we talked in the offseason, like the big question was going to be, is this defense even – like, or, or could they even be passable? Like, can they just can they just improve enough that they can maybe outscore some teams? And, you know, they gave up 45 points to Michigan at the end of the day, but they still made a lot of big plays and, and stepped up in a big way in that football game. And, yeah, it, it is, it's going to be a hard blueprint for other people to replicate because there have been a lot of things that have fallen into place. Like this year in the conference, Oklahoma uh, it went through a rebuilding situation. Texas is still, you know, trying to kind of climb that mountain of, of getting back. Baylor and Oklahoma state took a step back, but all that being said, like they took advantage of their opportunities. They got to the playoff and now they've won a playoff game. And so it's in front of them. Like, it's going to be a huge test with Georgia, but they've, they've done it all in the span of one off season. And um, it's just wild to think about. Cause this is not even a team that was like, Oh, they were five and seven, but it, you know, three or four plays go their way. And they're <laughs> no, they're no. eight and three or nine and no. four. I mean, they got blitzed by Oklahoma State by K State. We're talking about how
0: aimless they were. because they just they lacked the identity. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. was that was the big thing about how they lacked the identity. I'll will t- tell you this, um, the you know Joe Gillespie I I thought did the best coaching job of anybody. And I, look, you talked about how many yards they gave up, sure, but like you take away that first run, the, mm-hmm. the the team they were fantastic. And I'll tell you what, man, Horton has had himself. Uh, I mean, at that position, you need you need your tackle in a three three five to be able to disrupt, and he has just been absolutely on fire the last yeah. two games. He had a good season, but he I think six sacks in the last two games, and he's causing all kinds of problems. And that's uh, to me, that's kind of what opened stuff up for the linebackers. I mean, they were they were running fitting uh, essentially perfectly, besides that one play. between the tackles, I would love to see what the numbers were after that one play. Cause it felt like it was, I mean, that rushing game between the tackles, Michigan really didn't go away from it. Right. The the, Mm -hmm. the kind of window dressing, stuff They did the stuff they schemed up was all in the passing game. Right. It was all those play action passes, the flea flicker they had. It wasn't a whole lot of run game. That's what beat, you know, ends up up, uh, beating TCU on defense at the end of the day. And I thought Joe Gillespie knew that, look, we're going to make, mccarthy play quarterback and beat us and i think those two critical mistakes that you mentioned were the were the keys and so while it was 45 points i still felt like he was the best coach in the field and really made them go to plan b and c to beat tcu in certain ways because they couldn't beat him with plan a hey everyone today's locked on big 12 podcast is brought to you all by linkedin if you are looking for a job or you're looking to hire somebody linkedin is the place to go as small business owners Or hiring managers, you all know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com/college that's linkedin.com/college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply you're you're totally right on i mean like the the, the all the talk about the 335
1: and you know managing the run game but i think those offensive linemen for michigan because they were sort of in this offset formation like a lot of times they were confused as who to block and by the time they figured it out those linebackers and safeties were coming up and and making those run fits, as you said, but yeah, the adjustment they made, I mean, they started picking on the safeties, honestly, and and throwing the ball over the middle of the field um, off that play action. And J.D. McCarthy made some great plays. Um, Those receivers from Michigan had a much bigger game than I thought, but yeah, I came away super impressed too. I I know they ended up giving up a lot of points at the end of the day, but I think part of that too was just the chaotic nature of that game. It sort of got out of hand for, Especially that third quarter, it was basically like just trading scores, trading big yeah, plays. that was. And you but, silly,
0: but I mentioned the line. Sorry, I meant to say a, a horde coming off the edge, and they got obviously Williams, a freshman, to play in the mm-hmm. nose tackle spot. I mean, like the, the game of their lives, sure, but like it was just like they they felt like that. They they did this to Bijan Robinson when they needed to, right? They they did this to Texas. Now I know Michigan's offensive line is a bit a different case, but like the fact that they've been asked twice now to 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 defend against a you know a lot of the times between the tackle and and Texas will do some different stuff, but mm-hmm. the fact they're able to do that twice in the games they really needed to and the games the both and, and mind you the two games where they were seven and a half point underdogs, right? Right. It's funny. There's the two games where they were big dogs. They do the same thing twice, and I, I think that that defensive line deserves a ton of credit.
1: They do. I mean, Dylan Horton is is another one of those players. Like, he's going to get drafted, I think. And that was not something that seemed possible going into the season. Uh, And, yeah, I didn't – like, I didn't foresee in my mind that ultimately, like, late in that game, the adjustment they made was just, okay, we can get pressure with three. So, we're going to drop eight or nine guys back and just – four. like, we're not – we're going to stop blitzing, stop being aggressive because they keep beating us over the top. And we're just going to make McCarthy – pick apart the zone and he couldn't really do it. Like he was getting enough time, but the coverage was good enough that like that secondary pressure was starting to get to him. Um Yeah. I mean, they, they have stepped up in a big way when they had to. And so now you got a, a whole nother test, but as far as like passing the the physicality test that they had to do against Michigan, they did it with flying colors, which I don't think anybody really expected that going into the football game.
0: So now you turn your attention to Georgia, right? Um Complete. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, they're kind of somewhat in Michigan, but like, it's a much different challenge of beating Georgia. And here's what I'll say: they've had a lot of moments this year where they have not been impressive. Um, I I go back to the Missouri game, a large portion of the Florida game, they were not impressive. Uh, a large swath of that Kentucky game on offense they were not impressive, but then you think about whenever they, and then obviously we go back to the, you know, that there is a long time in that, in the Ohio state game, they were not impressive. And reasons we'll, we'll discuss here in a second, but they are, they are much like TCU. Whenever it is asked of them to come up big Tennessee, they were like this. We, we put our foot down. This is still Mm -hmm. the East still runs through Athens, Georgia, LSU game. They were test there for a little bit. It got a little close and they just absolutely beat the hell out of them. The end of that game. Right. And then, They needed the rally um, and they got the rally. And, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, Kirby Smart calling that timeout before the fake pun, uh, you know, whether it be Stetson Bennett coming up big and, and all, you know, all those things and missed kick and then the run play at the end that Ryan Day calls the people debated, you know, whether it was the right call or not. I mean, this is a team much like TCU that is finding a way or knowing when they have to, you know, get down to brass tacks is their specialty, and I think that is that's kind of the scary part for TCU. Like this, that's the thing is Georgia is just as good at responding as as TCU has been this year.
1: They are, and I think the other aspect of it is I don't really know what's going on with Harbaugh right now. I know there's the NFL rumors out there too, but that Michigan team, they they just looked like they weren't expecting a dog. Fight. They were horribly prepared. That was a yeah.
0: horror. They were horribly prepared for a game they had a month prepared for.
1: They were. And Kirby is like, he's like Nick Saban. He's obsessive about the details. They're coming off a a slow start against Ohio state. So I don't expect that to be the case. You know, the the couple of things that interest me about this one is this Georgia defense like on paper, I think they, they match up pretty well because they can rush the passer. They got Ringo on the back end who should match up with Quentin Johnston fairly well. Um, And then, you know, they stopped the run at a decent clip, but the last couple weeks, you know, that LSU game, LSU was able to move the ball on them a little bit. Ohio State CJ Stroud played outstanding, but they score 40 plus points. So, can this TCU offense, and you know, Josh, like I'm sometimes you just kind of get beat over the head with something enough and you're like, okay, this is who they are. Like I finally decided after the Michigan game, TCU just makes like they're just an explosive play team. They're not going to do like they did this in the first half, but they're not going to do the 10, 10 play drive, you know, the seven play drive for all four quarters, uh, it is, it is just like, okay, uh 75 yard pass, to Quentin Johnson. Right. you know, Marty Mercado, 65 yard run, uh, another long pass to Quentin Johnson. That's just sort of their DNA. So they're going to take those deep shots. Can they connect on a few of them against Georgia to kind of even up this football game? I think you know, they can, though, especially
0: against Ringo. I mean, I, look, Martin yeah. Harrison Jr. Might be, might be different, but like, it's yeah. not like Kelly Ringo is not going to be guarding. It's not a, you know, it's a first round talent. It's Quentin Johnston. And I mean, We just saw him take that, you know, this is what makes him so special. He takes that design kind of what I guess it's a screen that they run to the inside there. He broke one. It was, it was curtains. That was the end of the play. And like, if you don't, if you don't commit more than one guy and you get beat, you know, you can just take him in man coverage. Like we've seen it time and time again, it's not going to go well for you. And so I think you're right. Like LSU move the ball really well on them at times. Right. Uh, Ohio state did. I think the big question is like how, how repeatable do you feel like some of the Ohio state stuff is sure with TCU. Now I will say the good thing is like TCU's offense is naturally, like you mentioned explosive. Mm-hmm. And then it gets the other part of this too. And Amari has been explosive. Yes. But Kendra Miller, it sounds like he's, you know, definitely not going to practice this week. Right. Which is yeah. absolutely massive for TCU. Yeah, that's a huge deal.
1: And, and he looked as good as he has in about, a, you know, a couple months when, when he was healthy in the Michigan game I think at this point it's it's really impossible to expect him to have a full workload. The issue is Amari's a good running back and he can he can handle the rushing attack, but then behind him, you know, Trent Battle's a guy that they've really they haven't used him like at all in the traditional running game. It's it's mainly just kind of throwing some swing passes out of the backfield. Amani Bailey's a guy that showed some good bursts, but all his playing time has been in garbage time, you know, when they're up big, and so that's a huge ass to be like, hey, can you can you tote the rock 10 times against Georgia in the national title game? Uh, so I, th- I think they need something from Kendra. I don't know if he can give them 20 carries, but could, could you give five to seven and just at least give Mercado a spell and give Georgia something to think about? But that is a huge aspect of it. And then the other thing is, I think we, we talked a lot about these other weapons for TCU. Like if, if Ringo does do a, a nice job against Quentin Johnson, I expect Quentin's going to get his at some point. But Tay Barber. Darius Davis, Gunner Henderson, Jerry Wiley. Somebody has to be the, the secondary piece that makes Georgia pay because that's what Ohio State's got. That deep, deep receiver room. You know, we didn't hear from
0: Savion Williams. Savion Williams. Not, yeah, it's been.
1: He had a pretty quiet good, game
0: against. Quiet Michigan game. Quiet his
1: title game. Another name to know. Like he's a true freshman, and so I don't think a lot of people had them on the radar. Jordan Hudson had some big catches in that yeah. football game. Yep. He's somebody they're really excited about, and as the years gone on, you can tell they're kind of more confident in saying, "Okay." And they went to they him late the in the Baylor
0: game, if I remember some too. I think they were trying to—they were trying to—they got him the ball. Some of that, I think, it was the yeah, I got him game. the ball. They—they yeah. they threw a couple
1: deep routes to him against K State, just trying to you know change things up a bit. Um, so they've got some opportunities. And then on the flip side, defensively, and, and I'll get your thoughts on it, Josh. Um, you know, the guy that just terrifies me is Brock Bowers because the the safety and linebacker play, linebackers in coverage for TCU. In safeties and coverage, that's been an issue at times. Michigan exploited that. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly how you slow them down. I mean, I think like Hodges, Tomlinson, and, and Newton, uh, Georgia's receivers are really good. They're they're much better than Michigan's. I feel like they can at least hold their own on the outside. It's really the middle of the field. Can you find a way, um, you know, to contain that? And then can you get some pressure on Stetson Bennett? But again, like this defense, they're not going to shut people down you know aside from the texas game this is not a group that holds people to 10 points but they just kind of have a way of getting big stops and and keeping themselves in the football game and i think if if they can just give the offense opportunities to score and and keep it close then maybe they'll have a chance here at the end to, to steal one from from the bulldogs
0: well it's forcing turnovers will have to be another thing that they're going to have to do that again yeah. but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what's interesting with this and this is actually a frustrating thing maybe for for tcu they might go deep some and they have at times. The advantage for Georgia is not they do not have and I actually think Sets if there's a pretty good deep ball. That's not they don't have that kind of skill level at wide receiver.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like if you think about the guys that are like really good for them that they have, I mean, Bowers, McConkie's not really a deep guy. Kenny McIntosh has 42 receptions in the year. So that's a guy they love to use in the passing game. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington, right? Like this is, and he, I, I don't think he played in uh you know, he's questionable for the, for the championship game. Uh, so that, that'll be, if he's not playing, that's a huge, huge plus for TCD. Cause it, there's no way they can handle that guy, generally speaking. Right. I mean, he yeah. is, he's a gigantic human being. Sure. Um, but like, if he doesn't play that, be, that'd be massive. But yeah, I think it's the one thing is like, all right. I, I know Joe Glass is probably all over this. What's a way that we can use our corners, our skill at, at corner. Cause I thought, I thought Michigan beat him a lot up the, up the seam and in the slot. It it didn't feel like there were a ton on the edges where you're hearing about Newton and, and Trey Hodges Tomlinson getting beat a lot. I I know Trey had a couple PIs, but like, that's who he is. He's an aggressive corner. And I think that's what makes him such. I mean, I thought he played a really, really, really good game.
1: Um,
0: uh, You know, so is there a different way in which you can use those guys to help out if you're like not overly concerned about the vertical passing and look we saw a couple of them right they they hit a, they hit some big ones they needed to late in that game but like Georges doesn't want to be chasing the you know they're not gonna be trying not to chasing the game again it feels like right so is there a way that you can use those corners deploy them differently to maybe try and full stats and Bennett or maybe even use them you know corner blitz and whatnot because I think they actually they had one or two of those the other day.
1: Yeah that's a really interesting point because uh yeah Trey he was targeted some and he did have those PIs he didn't end up actually giving up a catch based on like the pro football focus, you know, uh,
0: he's, he's freaking great. awesome. I mean, he he's is. unbelievable.
1: And then Josh Newton, like I, I saw this on Instagram. I just happened to see it on Instagram because he posted about the game. They didn't target him at all. So like, right. they, they just weren't even, they just gave up. They're like, no, we're not going to throw to those guys. We're, we're just going to work the seams. And so if Georgia has a similar game plan, yes, can you find a way to kind of cheat there to give them some help and maybe force them to take some more targets to the outside? But yeah, you're right. I mean, Georgia is more of a team that's going to get up and down the field on a, a consistent basis, move the chains. And so can you can you find a way to get this pass rush going? And then, you know, the other thing that surprised me about the Michigan game, they the Wolverines started blitzing and and Max helped the O-line out a little bit because he you know, he's really good at kind of drifting away. But I thought that was maybe the best, like from a pass reduction standpoint. That might have been the best game the Olans played all year. Like they looked- and he did a
0: great job picking it He's he saw it all. Max yeah, Max saw everything. He he was on top of everything. That, there, was, there was nothing he wasn't ready for in that game.
1: No, he was prepared and he was kind of moving around the pocket. He he made some some nice step ups and drifting back and made some throws. But uh yeah, I was concerned about Coleman and Coker, those two tackles, but they held up pretty well. So uh, a different animal with Georgia. But if they can, you know, not get killed with sacks and pressures, then. This offense has some room to work and maneuver. Yeah.
0: The one question is because Georgia, you know, the, the one knock on Stroud was if you heat him, he's a lot, a lot of this is a lot of guys, but Stroud was like, if you heat him, he's a lot worse. And I actually think mm-hmm. that's been the that's been the knock on Max, too. Max said a it lot has. of that. Now yeah. Max is a better playmaker than Stroud is, generally speaking. I know CJ was fantastic the other night, but over the course of his career, Max has been a bit better. I I feel like at least eye test tells you that. Um Georgia's one thing though is that they have recently they've started doing it more, but they don't bring a whole lot of pressure, right? They don't blitz a ton. I'm wondering if that's still going to be the game plan. Cause I trust their guys. I'm wondering if they'll start off, not blitzing a lot and then think, all right, we're gonna have time to make an adjustment. We want to start sending some pressure. We can. Um, I tend to think that I think they're actually going to, they might try to heat max up early. I think that, I think they might try. Cause here's the thing is like, you mentioned some of those teams that have carved them up just a little bit. And I thought LSC LSC was, that second half, I mean, that it was not a game. And all of a sudden it was because LSU was moving the ball all over them. I think they got a fourth down stop. Georgia did. They kind of put put it to bed, kind of stopped the rally. But, you, you know, you could yeah, – know Ohio State did too. You can move the ball all over this team. And so I think they want to get on that from the start. Think about the games where it really didn't go well. K-State did a good job, I thought of it. And also Texas did an excellent job yeah. of that early on in the game. It was it four or five sacks in the first half. So – I think that's the key Michigan I didn't feel like it was really creative about where they're kind of bringing the it felt like it was a lot of stuff up the middle like mm-hmm. the backs had no problem picking up those blitzes it felt like for for TCU I mean they, they were well prepared and everything so my question is does Georgia have the advantage as a team that doesn't blitz a whole lot of being able to show some looks that's really not on tape because that's not really what their mo is well and I could see them doing that too because you know the misnomer about TCU uh, offensively
1: is, people think because it's a big 12 team, they're just like, Oh, they're small, but their O-line is huge. Like they're yeah. just, they're really big. The issue the O-line has is they're not super athletic. They're not fast. Yeah,
0: they're, they're not fast. fast at all. So like
1: when, when teams heat them up, it's hard sometimes for those guys to move laterally and drop their hips and, and get to the spot. Um, and so they did a, a better job against that, against Michigan, but I could see them for sure trying to, uh, you know, heat max up and cause some negative plays. And they, they, they might have to come up with a new, uh beater for that because I, I think they kind of the shallow screen might have run its course they ran it twice right. in that game against michigan and hey they got their money's worth so they got two touchdowns out of it but I, I don't expect to see you know a full all-out blitz
0: oh could you imagine if kirby gets beat, if they get beat on that he is going <laughs> to absolutely lose but that's the thing is that's what their team has done for a long time is they they keep everything in front of them mm-hmm. that's really good that's really what they do well and so i think that that's going to play to their advantage because tcu a Lot of times like they they want to get stuff behind you or draw up stuff that will end up being behind you, right. like we talked about. So um yeah, I mean this this is a fascinating game. And look, yeah, there is a world where this definitely ends up being Georgia, you know, dogs TC. Like it's it's totally obviously the 13-point favorite. Like that is there. But I will say this TCU like they they live in like hell basically like they just want it to be a like a heart attack game they yeah. need it to be there they always end up there and so that's why I was like man T- like that's why they were just they kept giving the lead back I was like this is this is where they live every time they had they had to score their push they responded and so like I I just feel like it's gonna be a closer game just because like that's where TCU lives I, that's just kind of that's kind of how TCU football works this year. You're totally right. I mean, like I, I could listen. Blowout's possible,
1: right? But I think even if Georgia's up like for between like 14 to 17 yeah. in the fourth quarter, they're gonna TC will score some dumb touchdown, and maybe like they'll at least like force maybe a third down that Georgia's gonna have to convert. Like I, I do think this. Yeah, this is what they do. They play close football games. They love them. They're all about. They put it. you through hell. That's yeah. what they, do. they, they make you just, you know, keep. Going on the emotional roller coaster. It's it's the Michael Scott ski scene in Dinner Party, where it's like snip, snap, snip, snap, snip. <laughs> it's just back and forth, back and forth.
0: We are due for a blowout. That is one that's one thing, right? I mean, uh, the, the, not, because we just had two close games, which never two really great happens. games, yeah, right. So we're due for a blowout. I, I will say this. Um I because I've watched I've watched Georgia a decent amount this year. They can be beat. They are an excellent team, and I think the resolve of this group is actually a little bit. Better than last year's was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've showed that a whole bunch. Like, whenever Stetson sucks, they always overcome it. And he also always usually plays really well in the second half of those games. Uh, so I would obviously, I think we're all leading Georgia. But can TC win this game? Yes. I mean, there's, sure. there's, yeah, yeah they, could, they could definitely win this game. And, and that's because this year, I, I really don't think, like, I don't think that the teams this year are as good as the teams last year were. Um, I think with Michigan's pass rush, that you, you know, pass rush, you probably said they're better last year than this year. I think Georgia's team, obviously from an overall perspective, was better last year because of that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Alabama had a few more weapons. Uh, you know, last year that we were talking about, uh, you know, and whatnot. And so I think that there were the top teams are a bit down compared to last year, um, which I think gives TCU a pretty clear shot. They can definitely win this game. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I would not be shocked if TCU is it, i'd be shocked as a season as a whole yes it'd be a shocking result but like i would now we we're here and we put it down to one game i would not be shocked would you you agree with that
1: no i wouldn't be i mean i wouldn't be floored at this point i'm kind of done not believing in them like i've, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for the shoe to drop all year long sure maybe it does on monday night i, I don't think anybody would be like uh surprised or super disappointed if it did but uh Hey, they've, they've answered the bell every time. And Josh, this, this, is this the grittiest, is this the grittiest QB battle we've had in a while? Oh my God. Stetson Bennett
0: and Max Duggan. (laughs) These two guys, I mean, like, you want to talk about like, not like, we're not, uh, uh, get up is not going to be talking about them for the three months that get up does their, uh, their draft coverage. It beats me over the head. (laughs) It's not gonna be like Stetson Bennett. Where is he going? Right. We're talking about like six and six, seven and five. Will Levis. Yeah. And being like, where's the big white guy with a good <laughs> arm gonna go? They're not gonna say where's Max Dogging gonna go? Where's Stetson Bennett gonna go? But it's pretty ridiculous thing about this, you know, Stetson Bennett with a chance to win a second national championship. Sure. And it'll be like, will he get drafted? Right? Like, that, like that's gonna be yeah. the conversation around him. But yeah, I mean this is about as this is about as gutsy and gritty as it can get between two quarterbacks uh in a national championship game, uh nonetheless, right? It is. I, I think uh there's a writer for Texas football. His name's
1: Ishmael Johnson. He had a, a really funny tweet. He said, we're going to have a moxie off in the national title game between these,
0: <laughs> between these two QBs on Monday, the adjectives that the broadcasters, and people right. like, these guys are just gritty. Gutsy. the lunch, the lunch bail championship. Lunch, yeah. It's going to be a whole lot of those, those buzz white, you know, white guy words that you hear a lot of the time, which are like always just hilarious whenever you hear them. Uh, all right, Steven, where can people find you and your work and talk about, you know, all the coverage you're going to have this week. As Simcock Steven is the Twitter handle. Uh, at
1: on is the show handle on Twitter. And then subscribe to YouTube. We're getting close to 500 subscribers. So we'd love to get to that uh, before the national title game. Josh, I, I think you got to 3K,
0: right? Before 2023. All right. 3K, yeah.
1: But still subscribe to Locked On Big 12.
0: Uh, I appreciate you. And, I, and you and I have had a lot, got to have a lot of conversations recently, which is actually the nice yeah, part of this yeah. TCU run, right? We've got to be able to keep having them. I'm sure we'll have one uh, next week as well, but yeah, make sure you guys follow Steven. Make sure you guys follow me at Josh neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at L O big 12. You guys can uh, find the podcast, both podcasts, for you podcast, and please subscribe. Steven go frogs. I'll talk to you next week. Let's hope we get the big 12 NTCU and national championship.
1: Sounds great.